skip. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, I just love that first song. Word of, word of God, speak. Rain down on us, washing our eyes to see. And Father, you know the message this morning, and it's about your word. It's about teaching your word. It's about learning how to study your word. And it very much is a classroom setting, Father. And I know that's a little bit different for Sunday morning. So I pray, your Holy Spirit, Father, that you would just take away anything that would get in the way of us knowing your word this morning. And just getting to grips with it, Father. Open up our hearts so that we may go deeper and know you more. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Now, some of the principles that I'm going to teach this morning, some of you might think, I've seen that before somewhere. So about, oh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, we did a church-wide campaign called 40 Days in the Word. Some of you will remember that. And some of these principles come right from that, so it'll seem okay. But now here's my experience. That was six or seven years ago. Typically, if I talk to you about something I preached two weeks ago, it's like, you did? <laughs> so I think we're good for a, for a refresher on what we did six or seven years ago. So let me give you right up front the secret. Now, if you didn't get notes, you really need notes this morning. Raise your hand if you didn't get notes and you want notes. Anybody? One up here. Anybody else? Notes? Come on, let's get someone over there. I can see this guy running around. All right. So I'm going to give you the secret. Right up front, if you want to get deeper in the word, it's all about the questions that you ask of the passage of Scripture. You're thinking about questions that you're going to ask this passage of Scripture. Um, For instance, if I left this note, from my wife. Just heading out. Be back in a couple of days. My sister called. Don't worry. I'm sure my wife's not going to just look at it and think, oh, Mike's gone out. I mean, there are questions to be asked, right? She's going to, what's going on? You're heading out where? For how long? What'd your sister say? Is there a concern? Maybe how can I help? What can I do? I mean, there are going to be questions to ask. Now, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we we come to something in the scriptures that uh, we don't ask the questions. We just kind of blindly read through it. Oh, we've got to get through a big Bible in a year. (laughs) Got to get through this thing. It's not so important that you get through the Bible. What's important is that the Bible gets through you. That's the important thing. So it's the questions that we ask. And there are four basic questions that will help take you deeper. And these words kind of summarize them. There's observation, interpretation, correlation, and application. So observation is simply, what does it say? It's nothing deeper than that. What does it say? What's this scripture about? Interpretation, what does it mean? Because what you say and what you mean are not always the same things, right? Scripture is all about what does it mean? Correlation What other passages of Scripture will help explain this passage of Scripture? And then there's application. What do I do about it? How does this apply to my life? It's kind of like, the way I like to put it, it's like, so what? So what does this mean to me? Now, the best way for me to teach you how to get deeper into Scripture, we're going to get a passage of Scripture, 
and we're going to do this this morning, okay? Now, this is top secret stuff. You're not allowed to share this. This basically is how I do my sermon preparation. What I'm going to give you this morning, all right? Don't be sharing this with people. This is just Lakeway, Lakeway 101 or whatever. So the passage of scripture that we're, we're looking at is Matthew 15, Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. I picked a, a short passage of scripture, so that's four verses. And we're going to dive into these verses, and we're going to look at this observation, interpretation, correlation, and application. Are you still with me? I'm going to ask you every so often, because I know what this is like, all right? So first thing, I'm going to read the whole thing. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So an interesting little passage of scripture. So observation, what does it say? Now the first thing that I do, I read it and I read it and I read it. And you'll notice today when we're doing this, it's going to get repetitive. We're going to keep going back to those scriptures. We're going to look at those scriptures, talk about something else. Look at those scriptures, talk about something else. Look at those. I read it and I read it and I read it. And I keep reading it. And then sometimes I'll write it down in my own words. I'll rephrase it in my own words. Now, I want to share something with you. If you're not taking notes, if I go and I listen to a speaker or a somebody on the radio or, or whatever, I take notes. I have a notepad in my Bible case right there. I have a notepad in every backpack. In my car as I'm driving in the console right beside me, I have a notepad. Sometimes when I go to bed, I put a notepad beside me because in the middle of the night, I wake up and think, Ooh, and I'll start right... If you're not taking notes, you're skimming the surface. You're not going deep. It's okay to highlight. It's okay to underline. It's okay to write little things in the, in the margin. But you need to take notes. If you want to go deeper, take notes. That's why I give you notes each week. And this is what I've noticed. The more mature Christians, the people I know who love the word the most, are the ones that come to me if there's no note package if I haven't had time to do it, those are the ones that come to me. And every time they'll tell me the same thing that I already know. It's, you know, it really helps if there are notes. Yes, I Really? <laughs> Sorry, Randy. <laughs> but it matters to them. And these are the people that I know who, who are the more mature Christians in their faith. They want notes. So you write it down. Um. And, and, and I like to write it just kind of in my own words to, to get an idea of, of what it says. So sometimes I'll look at a passage of Scripture and I'll break it up into different. So this one here, I've broken into three. I could see three different segments. There's verses 17 and 18. Like I said, we're going to go back and forth here. Don't misunderstand why I have come. 
I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of the law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So basically what's going on here? Jesus is talking about his mission and how it relates to the purpose of the law and that he isn't here to get rid of them. Okay, that's, that's kind of what this is about, right? Verse 19, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So what's it saying? He's talking about the importance of obedience to the law. Really simple, right? Got to follow the law. And then the last verse is a warning, but I warn you. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is kind of important, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you. I I, want to enter. I'm hoping at the end of this, it's an upgrade. (laughs) So here we got a warning. And Jesus is telling us that heaven's entry standard is high. All right. So that's what it says. Step two, interpretation. What does it mean? So here's what I do to get context. Big picture, little picture, my picture. Let's say it together. Big picture, little picture, my picture. Big picture, what's going on? I'm going to look at this scripture. I'm going to maybe take a step back and look at the the whole chapter. And, And what I love about you know, a lot of modern Bibles, Jesus' words are in red, right? So when I look at this passage of Scripture, I see there's a whole lot of red. The whole of chapter 5, the whole of chapter 6, the whole of chapter 7, and there's no gap in it. So this is part of a big teaching. So that tells me something there right away. Something big is going on here. Then I'll go back to, well, where does the red letters start? And I see that they start in verse 3. So I'm going to go back to verses 1 and 2, which introduces this great big passage. And I read verses 1 and 2. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. And sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. So Jesus has retreated away from the masses to teach his disciples. This is big picture. This is context. Now, typically what I would do, I'll chase it back a little bit further. I'll flip the page and I'll go to chapter 4. And I'll see what's going on right before this. Now, one of the nice things with modern Bibles, I know you can't see that, is that they have titles that aren't actually in the Scripture for each section. So I can see right away, well, right at the beginning, the temptation of Jesus. Okay. The next one is Jesus begins to preach. Jesus begins his, his ministry. The calling of the first disciples, and then at the end of the chapter, Jesus heals the sick. So it gives me an idea of what's going on. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's gone from temptation to beginning his message. He picks the disciples. He's on tour through Galilee, teaching about the Word of God. So that sets this up. Little picture now. Here's what I love to do with Scripture. I have a good imagination, and it 
drives a lot of how I think. I want to insert myself into this event. So this is, this is little picture. So big picture, Jesus has been going all over Galilee. Now he gets a group of his disciples and he says, let's go up on a hill here, guys. Let's get away from all of them. I'm taking you guys up on a hill. And he sits down and he begins teaching just these guys. For me, I want to get the feel of this event. What's the tone of this event? And Because and, I know it's something big. It's three chapters of red letters. So this is a big deal here. He's teaching these guys. So I want to get the, the context. I want to get the feel. And it matters. And I'll show you how it matters. If we take the first sentence in, in chapter 17. If we go to the next slide, please. If you take that first sentence... How that comes across gives you a good feel or a context. He's not rebuking the the Pharisees. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, that's a rebuke, right? Don't misunderstand me. He's not rebuking the Pharisees. It could be, don't misunderstand me, which would be authoritative. He's teaching the masses. No, he's taking his guys, and they're up on a mountain. It's quiet, and, and the tone here is, Hey, guys, don't misunderstand me. So you catch how it changes it. That, that kind of, I want to feel what's going on here. What's, what's the sense of this passage of Scripture? What's the atmosphere? So I, I don't know why, and I don't think it's true, but just in my mind, it's always in the evening or it's getting dark. I don't know. It's just mostly because when I go out to the lake, it's nighttime. And I love to sit by the lake. And, and I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm, off, I'm sitting, I'm just imagining Jesus sitting with his guys. And I'm one of the guys. And so it's always nighttime. So he's sitting with them. And we get this, hey, guys, I don't want you to misunderstand why I have come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. So he's warning those closest to him that somehow, some way, there's a chance for some kind of misinterpretation here. Now we're going to have to dig into that to figure out what that is in a second. And he continues on. He says, no, I came to accomplish their purpose. I imagine I'm thinking, huh? I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And honestly, I I think the disciples would be sitting there thinking, what is he talking about? You know what, Peter, what's he talking about, man? And they're nudging each other. Has he been in the communion wine again? I mean, it's going to be a bit of a mystery to them. And some, for you, as we read this, some of you are looking at this passage of Scripture thinking, what does that mean? So this is where we got to apply the third rule, the correlation. What other Scriptures will help us understand this Scripture? You always use what is clear to explain what is unclear. You hear me say this all the time. If I read through a passage of Scripture and I come to something I don't understand, some, there's some things in there and... I've said this many times. I look at God and say, well, what's that all about? So if I don't understand something, I look to find something that I do understand that can explain what I don't understand. Does that make sense? 
So we're going to look for scriptures that maybe could explain what we're doing. Now, just a minute, did I skip something? No, can we go back a bit? We're not there yet. Back one more. All right. There's a question. There's a question in these two verses that begs to be asked. And I don't know if you've seen the question yet. So I'm going to reread it. Like I said, we're going to read this, read this, read this. And you're going to be praying to God. God, why? No. (laughs) And I'm going to phrase it in such a way that I hope you catch the question that needs to be asked. All right? Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Clue phone. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Anyone see the question? What's the purpose? What is the purpose of the law? What is it that Jesus is trying to accomplish? This is a question that begs to be asked. Now we've got CSI Lakeway. We've got a lead here. We can chase this lead down. I've got something I can work on here. What's the purpose of the law? What's, what's Jesus trying to accomplish? Now, the problem for these guys is they're living in a time where they didn't have a New Testament. All they've got is the Old Testament. That was all of their scriptures. And the Old Testament is really quite clear on what the purpose of the law was. The purpose of the law from an Old Testament perspective was to set godly standards and rules by which God's people were to live. That was the law. So when Jesus is saying to them, I'm not getting rid of the law. I came to accomplish it. You know, its purpose is not going to go away. I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, okay, so we're not changing the law. Big deal. But we have the New Testament. We got the rest of the story. Now, I've got a rule for you, and that's that next slide. You always interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament, which shared this with my small group this week. So let me explain that. You do not look at a passage of Scripture in the New Testament and try and explain it from the Old Testament. It does not work. The Old Testament in many ways is fulfillment. Sorry, the New Testament in many ways is fulfillment of what was in the Old Testament. You use the New Testament to bring clarity to the Old Testament. So this is what's happening here. These guys are sitting around. Jesus is talking about the law. They've got this Old Testament idea of what the law is. But Jesus is bringing about a change. We have the rest of the story. Now, what was the question? What's the purpose of the law? What is it that that Jesus is trying to accomplish? Now, this is how I would do, back in the old days, if I was going to preach on this, I'd have a huge concordance, like I talked about last week. And I'd start looking through my concordance for every verse that might have the words purpose and law in them. Now, specifically looking in the New Testament, because I'm trying to explain this. So I'd, what have we got today? The internet. (laughs) 
We have the internet and everything on the internet is true. You can trust it. It's put on there by honest, skilled, caring people, whatever you read on the internet. Now, we know that's not true. So I would go to Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway is my app of choice for searching. There's lots of them. Blue Letter Bible is better than Bible Gateway in many ways. If you want to look at commentaries and the Greek and the Hebrew, that one's great. But if you want to search something, for me, Bible Gateway. So I did some screenshots. You're not going to be able to see them. But I did them because I just want to talk. No. (laughs) I'm going to search for every verse that has the word law and purpose in it. Because I'm trying to get to the bottom what was the purpose of the law, right? So I go to Bible Gateway. You can't really see it, but... First thing, I click on read the Bible. Then a drop-down menu comes and it says reading plans, advanced search, available versions. I click on advanced search. And then the next drop-down menu comes and there's three options. I can look up a passage of scripture. I can look up a keyword. I can look up a topical index. So if I want to know what John 3.16 says, I could put John 3.16 in there and I could put multiple versions and it'll show me. If I want a topical index, if I want to know what does the Bible say about divorce, I could put divorce in there and it'll show me passages of scripture. But in this case, I've got words I want to see, right? So I click keyword search and then I enter the words law and purpose. And then the next box down, can you see where it says match all words? It gives me three options and the three options are match any word. So every verse, so if I put any word, it would match every verse that's got the word purpose in it, and also every word that has the word law in it, not necessarily both. Match any word, match exact phrase, or match all words. So I want every verse that has all of these words in them. Does this make sense to you? All right. And then I'll click my version and New Living Translation. You can do the search in six, seven, eight different versions if you want. And then where do I want to search? I'm searching. Go back, please. Searching the entire, yeah, searching the entire Bible. I want to know. So I hit it. Now you can go to the next one. Fortunately, it comes up with just six. Thank you, God. Just six. Two of them are in the Old Testament. I'm not interested in them right now. I'm going to read them, see what they say. Are they relevant? No. Two of them are the verses that we're studying. Already know what they say. And then there's these other two, Romans 3.19 and Romans 10.4. And I read what it says, and they both seem to say, hmm, you need to look deeper. You can then click on In Context, and it'll put those verses up there with the verse in front of it and the verse after it. So, Romans 3.19 and 20. I'll put it right up there. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. See, this is good. Now, right away, it's telling me what the purpose is. Its purpose was to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. This is not much fun, is it? (laughs) For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Clue phone. Now we're getting into this. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. All right? This is starting to make sense now as I'm looking through these passages of Scripture. Okay, now I'm getting this. Ah, 
The law isn't about me being good. The law is simply to make me realize I'm not good. I can't live up to this. All right, good. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to underline it. When I'm doing, I have three screens on the go. So I've got my sermon, I've got my notes, and I've got another document with scriptures. And I'll grab that scripture and I'll put it over there. With, this is key. Then I'm going to look at the, the next verse. And when I hit in context, I realize it's not enough context. So I expand it out to verses 1 to 5. So Romans 10. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Is this making sense now? For Christ has already accomplished. Weren't we looking for what the accomplishment was? For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. He's already done it. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. All right, verse 4 there, bingo. I'm writing that down. I'm underlining it. Now we've got some clarity for our passage of Scripture. Are you all falling asleep yet? Do you need to stand up for a second? Come on, stand up, stretch. Do we need to stand and stretch? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're almost halfway done. No, we're... So now we've got some clarity. Jesus is up on the mountain. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying there could be some misunderstanding. In the past, a right understanding with God was gained through obedience to the, the law. Good, you're getting it. That was the past. If I was obedient to the law, I was right with God. But there's a problem. Everybody stumbles. I mean, if you take the basic Ten Commandments, ever told a lie? That's the end of that story. Let's carry on. <laughs> Everybody stumbled. If obedience to the law is our way of being right with God, then no one is right with God. Therefore, we need a different way to be right with God. This is what the, Jesus is teaching. And it's right there in that next passage, verse 10.4. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Our righteousness comes not through obedience to the rules, but through our faith in Jesus Christ. Here's where the confusion might be, guys. This is what Jesus is teaching. They don't know this stuff yet. He's giving them a heads up. I, mean, I want to make sure there's no misunderstanding. So now we're beginning to get clarity. The old way, obedience to the law. The new way, trust in Jesus. So naturally, what's the question that begs to be asked out of that? If I don't need to be obedient to the law, and I only need to trust Jesus, do I need to be obedient to the law? Now, a good teacher is ahead, so Jesus has already answered the question. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Okay? I tell you the truth. 
Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus answers the question that hasn't been asked. If trust in him gets me into heaven, why do I care about the law? What's the teaching? Just because your righteousness is gained through Jesus does not negate God's rules and God's standards. Now, there's a little note here. You will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Or you will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What does this tell us? They're in the kingdom of heaven. This is not a salvation issue. If I follow the law, I'm in the kingdom of heaven. If I don't follow the law, I'm in the kingdom of heaven. If I follow the law, I'm in the kingdom of heaven and I got myself a Rolls Royce and a big house with a swimming pool. If I don't follow the law, I'm cleaning toilets. (laughs) Just telling you. (laughs) But it's not a salvation issue. Obedience to the law is not a salvation issue. Jesus answers the question that is unanswered. He brings it home in the next. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm, what does that mean? Does that not just contradict what we just... Jesus, did you really get in the communion wine? Like, what... What's going on? No, this goes back to the verse that we just looked at in Romans. They're trying to earn their righteousness with their good works and their obedience to the law. We just read it in Romans 10.3. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They're a righteousness unto themselves. The only way you can be more righteous than the most righteous person is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is your righteousness. That's what he's teaching here. So now we've got an understanding of the whole passage of Scripture. Big picture, little picture, my picture. What about application? How does this relate to you and me? Now... I want to put that on the shelf for a second. We're just going to put this over here. We'll come back and get it in a second. If you want to take this to the next level, you want to be able to teach this stuff, you've got to do what Jesus did, and that is answer the unasked question. There should be a question sitting out there right now. Some of you will be clear, and some of you will be thinking, I missed the question. Anybody got a question? No one. Or you might not. Why do we not observe the Jewish laws and the festivals? Is that not a question? If Jesus says, I'm your righteousness, but I'm not getting rid of the law, why do we not observe those things? Is that 
not something we should be asking here. You've got to dig into this. You've got to think. If you were teaching this to someone, what might they go away with? It's like, okay, yeah, that was good. But there's a real simple answer. And we read it just now. Romans 10.3. Sorry. Romans 3.19, the other passage. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. It's God's law to God's people who were the Israelites. It's the Jewish law. Unless you're Jewish in here, you're a Gentile. It doesn't apply to us. It never applied to us. I get all kinds of questions. Well, are we supposed to be doing this? It It was never for you. Didn't apply to you. We don't have to worry about it. Now, there are other passages of Scripture. We could get really deep into this, but we don't have time this morning, which explain to us what rules do apply to us. And there were some. But that's another lesson. Here's another secret of teaching. Always leave them wanting more. So application, let's get right to this application here. What does it mean to me? Even though I am not under the law, how I live matters to God. I may not be under the law and all the traditions of the law, and I understand that my faith in Jesus is my righteousness, but my good works still matter to God. It still matters how we live. It's our Christian witness to other people. And Jesus teaches this throughout the scripture. And and when people came to him and said, "What's, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Do you remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's it's be fully committed to God by loving him. And then Jesus also handed went on. Okay, hang on, Pastor Mike, isn't that the law? We don't have the law. But Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, if you love me, you will obey me. Nothing to do with the law. And what's the obey? Love. Love God. Love others as you love yourself. I mean, if you really want to pare it down, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, We could dig into this a little bit more. I'm going to stop it here this morning. Is that good? Thank you, Lord. Did you learn anything? How to dig into something a little bit more than maybe you're used to digging into it. I mean, it's okay to take notes. Notes are good. But you've got to chase this stuff down. You will, this word will change your life. It's worth investing time in it. For me, you know, I came out of nowhere. I've told you this before. And, and the first Bible we had was a, a little tiny King James Bible that Sandra got when she graduated. I didn't get one when I graduated. Thank you. Graduation in England is so different. It's the last day of school, literally 4 o'clock. Bell rings. See you guys. That's it. School's over. We're done. Here, you know, you have prom. You have all kinds of stuff and big celebrations. They're kind of doing that in England, but 
We literally just walked out, and I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. I walked out the back of the school because I used to put my bike there, and there's a pub across the road. <laughs> I didn't have any money because I didn't have a job. And, you know, i got to get a job now. I wonder if I'll be able to go in there and drink. That was <laughs> graduation. <laughs> I prayed and I asked God to give me a passion and a desire for his word. Because I absolutely believe that this word will change your life. This world word will make your life better. And the more of his word you get in your heart, the more of his word that you understand, the more passion and desire you have for it, the better your life will be. I absolutely believe it 100%. That's what I've experienced in my life. And I'd love for you to experience it too. So it means something to get into the Word and not just read it for the sake of reading it. Read it to understand it. Read it to understand it to the point where you can teach it and you can answer the unasked questions because there are questions that are in your mind as well. And if you'd have read that passage long enough, you'd have come to that at some point. Hang on, why don't we do all the law and all that? Now you've got to do it all again. <laughs> oh my gosh, observation, interpretation for each passage of Scripture. But I love it. I mean, anyway, enough of that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And we just looked at a, a little passage of scripture and we did some CSI Lakeway to dig in and answered some questions, I hope. And Father, maybe just help some people realize I can get deeper into this. If I just take it just a little bit further, I, I can get so much more out of your word. Father, my prayer is that your word would get into each and every heart, each and every life here, transformative, so that we have such a passion and such a love for your word that we would take it everywhere, that we would live by the power of your word. And when someone comes to us with a question that's just kind of right out there, we'll, we'll have an answer. Well, the Bible says, well, why does it say that? Well, because... Father, may we be warriors of the word, loving your word, living your word, imparting your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. He is the word. Amen.